congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. O God, judge eternal, you love justice and hate oppression, and you call us to share your zeal for truth. Give us courage to take our stand with all victims of bloodshed and greed, and following your servants and prophets to look to the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. A reading from Jeremiah. Am I a God nearby, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will the hearts of the prophets ever turn back? Those who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart. They plan to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, just as their ancestors forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat? says the Lord. Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? The word of the Lord. 
We'll be reading responsibly Psalm 82. God stands to charge the divine council assembled, giving judgment in the midst of the gods. How long will you judge justly and show favor to the wicked? Save the weak and the orphan, defend the humble and needy. They do not know, neither do they understand. They wander about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. And I say to you, you are God's, and all of your children are Nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Second reading is from Hebrews. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were condemned for their faith, they were, they were commended for their faith, they, but they did not receive what was promised. Since God has provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The word of the Lord.
Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come up. All right, I brought with me two things from my garden this morning. Do you know what these are? They're peppers, right? Yeah, they're both green peppers and they're kind of glossy and kind of waxy skin. But they're different. Or they look different. This one's a bell shape and this one's like a stick. Uh, but if you were to bite into these, do you know what the difference would be? Do you have any idea? If you bit into this one, it would make your mouth very hot, all right? This is a spicy jalapeno, yeah. It wouldn't be comfortable just to sit and eat it, right? But this one is a sweet bell pepper, right? If you bit into a bell pepper, it wouldn't be spicy, it wouldn't be hot. It would have a little bit of an acidic sweet taste, and so they're good for salads or sandwiches or whatever, right? They don't burn your mouth, but this one does, right? So there's different difference in the peppers. Well, I was thinking today as I looked at our readings for this morning, in some ways, the Bible, God's Word, is like both of these peppers together. Sometimes, the Bible, when we read it, is kind of spicy. And what I mean is that sometimes it points out to us that we're sinners. It points out to us that we sometimes hurt people. Sometimes we say things that aren't true. Sometimes we get angry when we have no reason to get angry, right? And sometimes when we hear that, that's uncomfortable, right? It's kind of spicy for us. It doesn't feel the best when the Bible tells us, hey, you're a sinner. But then also the Bible is kind of sweet, like a bell pepper, right? It tells us the promises of God, that God's going to forgive you, that God loves you, that God will never leave you. Right? But in the Bible, sometimes we're given the spicy as a reminder of just how good and sweet God is. Right? We're reminded that we do need God and we need God's love. Right? And so we're reminded that we're sinners, but we're given the promise that God's going to forgive us. And so we have a spicy and a sweet part. All right, let me pray. Lord, thank you for giving us your word, both in its difficult parts and in its comforting promises. 
and help us, Lord, always to trust in your word and to know that you have good in store for us. Amen. If you would rather have the jalapeno rather than the candy, you can, you're free to take it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament was not a popular man. So during his lifetime, the, the empire of Babylon had conquered most of Judah, most of the southern kingdom of Israel. And the Babylonians had taken the Jewish king and leaders and many of the most educated and wealthy people of Israel into captivity back to Babylon. And so by Jeremiah chapter 23, our reading this morning, the armies of Babylon were returning for a second time. This time they were coming to destroy the city of Jerusalem. They were going to lay waste to its walls, to burn its homes to the ground, and to finally destroy the temple of God. And there were prophets in the city of Jerusalem at that time that were telling people that all was well. These prophets were telling the remaining leaders in the city that it shall be well with you. No calamity shall come to you. In other words, they were telling the people, keep doing what you're doing. God isn't going to let any more harm come to you. And those prophets were actually quite popular, as you can imagine. They told people exactly what they wanted to hear. Jeremiah, on the other hand, had a different message. Jeremiah told the leaders to submit to the Babylonians and not to cause problems, and then he told them that it was necessary for them to repent. In chapter 22, Jeremiah speaks the word of the Lord to the people, saying, Act with justice and righteousness. Give back to the poor who have been oppressed. He tells them to stop living like they're part of Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, Stop trying to make yourself rich through taking advantage of others. And he says, be faithful to the Lord and stop living as if he doesn't see you. And for this kind of message, Jeremiah was not popular. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, we read that Jeremiah would soon be thrown into a muddy cistern where he would sink into the mud and where he would be treated as the lowest of low in society. And our reading this morning is addressed specifically to the false prophets who were telling people just what they wanted to hear. These were the men who were not really speaking God's word, but who had their own dreams and their own thoughts. And then they told those people that those dreams and those thoughts were revelation from God. And coincidentally, speaking God's word, or the, what they claimed was God's word, made them very popular and well-liked. And of course, it's not surprising that they were popular, the people who had remained in Jerusalem before the second siege had to be terrified because they knew the possibilities of what could happen. But the false prophets reassured them in their lack of faithfulness. And these false prophets said, don't worry about it. Have a good time. Nothing's going to happen to you anymore. Well, it's always the case that our souls do not need easy answers. Rather, our souls need the truth. And the true word of God is the truth that our souls need. And so in our reading, God lays out his accusations 
against these false prophets. He says they're manipulating the people, and they're even trying to manipulate God himself as they lie to the people. They're not telling the people what they need to hear. Rather, they're telling them what they think will make them popular. It's as if you were critically ill, and the doctor tells you, oh, you're doing just fine, don't worry about it. Right? You have no way of getting better because the doctor has misinformed you by avoiding the hard truth. In the same way, the people were misled by the prophets who did not push them to seek the healing of their souls. And in accusing the false prophets, the Lord says, am I a God nearby and not a God far off? Well, the implied answer to both of these questions is negative. God is saying he's neither nearby nor far off. And what he means is that he's not so familiar that you can just say whatever you want about him. You can't speak for God on a whim and think that it doesn't matter. You can't claim to grasp God when it suits you or when it's convenient for you. And we're all guilty of this. In this sense, we're all false prophets to ourselves. Right? And often in our society, it begins with phrases like, I don't feel like God cares about this. Or I feel like God... The thinking is rampant among somewhat spiritual people who will say, I don't really feel like God cares who I sleep with. It's not that important. God doesn't care how I earn or spend my money. That's not really important, is it? I feel like God has bigger problems than how I spend my time, and so on. And so like the false prophets, we misrepresent God for our convenience. Where we should be asking what does God's true word say about what I do with my time, my money, my body, my life? We're always tempted to tell ourselves, God probably doesn't care about any of that. Unless we have a conviction from God's word, we have to be careful about how we represent God. Otherwise, we quickly turn into false prophets to ourselves. We're reminded that we have to be careful of how we represent God. He says to the false prophets, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? Do I not fill heaven and earth? Our worship always begins with a prayer that's formally called the collect for purity, or the prayer for purity. All right, its words are familiar. It says, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. It's easy, of course, to gloss over that as we begin our worship because the words are in fact so familiar. But if we just stop and pause and consider the words of that prayer, it ought to sober up our hearts and our minds pretty quickly. Right? There's no thought that passes through our mind that God doesn't know. There's no desire in our heart that God hasn't seen. Anything we do that we believe is a secret from others, God knows it. God knows all of our secret sins, all of our damaging thoughts, all those desires that maybe we are not even conscious of completely, they're all seen by God. And so in Jeremiah 23, this convicting word is directed straight to false prophets. God is saying to them, I know what you are really about. I know you're not being faithful to me, but to yourself. I know you're not in this for the good of my people, but you're in this for your own good. Likewise, we have to be careful how we represent God to ourselves and others. And we should always be asking, 
Are we faithful to God's word? Or are we living as if God doesn't matter, as if God doesn't see us? Do we speak for God based on what's convenient for us or based on what's true in his word? Because there's no hiding these thoughts from him. There's no hiding our motivations, no hiding our desires. And so at the end of this reading from Jeremiah, God gives us a reminder of the importance of being directed by his word. And not the kind of easy, superficial thinking that drives so much of our thinking about him. When we speak about God superficially or according to our convenience, he says it's like straw. In other words, it's nutritionally void of what we need. Right? It's straw that's useful for bedding. It's useful to be thrown on the ground. But it can't sustain life in you. And we really do try to fill our lives with so much theology of straw. Stuff that has little real value in it. Stuff that tells us that we don't have to change anything about our lives. Stuff that tells us we're perfectly fine just as we are. And that God doesn't really care about how we spend our time. It's the stuff that Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. He writes of cheap grace. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And that's what we see in the prophet Jeremiah. False prophets everywhere peddle cheap grace. However, what God points us to is the wheat of his word. The hardy stuff. The stuff that feeds us, sustains us, strengthens us, and makes life possible in us. That's the valuable stuff that we need. And as Jeremiah reminds us, God's word isn't always just about what we want to hear. No, God's word is about the truth, and it's the truth that's good for our soul. It might be that this word makes demands of you. It might say that the way you live your life is a problem. It might say that you are on a path to destruction. And we're reminded, even here in Jeremiah, that the gospel is not, I'm okay, you're okay. The gospel is not the power of positive thinking. It's not strategies about how to live your best life now. Rather, the gospel is the good news that God forgives sinners who repent of their sins. It's the truth that Christ has taken the punishment of your sins onto himself and that God freely forgives those who receive it as a gift. But if you don't realize that you have a real serious sin problem, then you never come to receive forgiveness from God because you don't know that you have that need. In Jeremiah's day, God was there to forgive. God was indeed merciful. But the people were convinced by false prophets that they didn't need to receive God's mercy. They thought, well, we're doing just fine. In the same way, the true pe preaching and understanding of God's word is meant to be a hammer, a hammer that breaks the rock of our hearts into pieces. Because the truth is, without Christ, you're not okay. Without Christ, it is not well with your soul. With Christ, however, the word of God is full of good news for you because God wants to be merciful. And with Christ, God will see your faith and he'll reckon it as righteousness because of what his son has done. 
But don't hear that as cheap grace, because daily we all struggle against the old sinner in us. And so we repent daily and return to the Lord daily, knowing that we are still sinners. But without Christ, we become false prophets to our own souls. And so being convinced that we are sinners, we daily rely on what Christ has done for us. We rely on Christ alone. We don't rely on ourselves. We don't rely on our own hearts, on our own actions, but we rely on Christ and Christ alone. Amen.
stand and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people, according to their needs. Gracious God, our fathers in the faith, have a good confession of your truth before the powers of this world. In the spirit of Jeremiah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses, strengthen our hearts in days of division to confess in our words and lives the glory of your name. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, you inspired your servant Jeremiah to proclaim your word amid the lies of false prophets. Arm your servants in our day with the power of your Holy Spirit to contradict the lies of the enemy and to build up your church upon the eternal foundation of your word. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you settle the solitary in families in order to nurture their faith and train them in righteousness. Bless and strengthen parents to bring up their children, to resist temptation, and to endure all things for the sake of your name. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God Almighty, behold our nation and its leaders, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, in your mercy, and replenish them by your grace, that all who receive the sword would bear it according to your word, always inclining to your will and walking in your way. Grant that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, grant healing to the sick, especially to Tom, Anita, Ray, Amanda, Marilyn, Mike, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, and Nancy, and grant strength to the weak and endurance to bear up under trial, patience to await deliverance, and finally, peace at the last. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, your Son promises divisions even as he promises salvation. Inspire our hearts to prize our baptisms and the communion of the saints above all other relations in this world, even as we fervently pray and strive for the salvation of those we know and love. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us most first. Hear us, most merciful Father, and these are humble requests which we offer to you in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. And Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Serve the Lord.
Thank you.